0: the Run Podcast, where it's always knitting and running in 30 minutes or less. Today is Wednesday, August 1st, and our segments this week include Whips, Knitting Fail, Spinning, Out and About, Knitting Talk, On the Run, and Running Talk. You can find me online on Instagram and Ravelry as WindsweptMonique, and on Twitter as WinsweptKnits. Here we go! First up, whips okay I don't actually have a lot of whips this week as uh, some longtime listeners will know I've had some hand issues and my, my fingers been acting up a little bit I have been working on my dahlia shawl which is a pattern by Brenda York for Barocco yarns since the last time I talked about it let's see I think I actually talked about the color work section last time so I finished the garter stitch which is the main part of the body And I'm probably a little over halfway, maybe two-thirds of the way, through the stockinette colorwork section. I'm working on the blue body of the shawl in Juniper Moon Farms' Nev in the Lagoon colorway. The red is some old stash. It's Cascade Ultra Pima in the Cranberry colorway held double. The yellow is left over... sorry, the yellow and the green are both left over Barocco's Modern Cotton. Those are in the Dell and the Breakers colorway, and they're left over from the Bristol Ivy Second Grace green sweater I did around Christmas time. I think I finished it just before Christmas. And I realized with horror last night just how much faster I need to be working on this shawl if I want to wear it when we go on vacation in a couple of weeks. Uh, That being said, this shawl is driving me nuts, so going faster is really hard. The shawl itself is beautiful and it is going to be absolutely spectacular especially since the color is really going to beautifully match a dress I already own an older dress so I'm kind of going to be using this to spruce it up a little bit but um that design it was not designed for ease of color work it was designed to look pretty and as someone who has designed a little bit of color work in the past I know I always try to make it Easier as, pos- as possible so that you don't have to catch a million floats. And whereas in, in this one, you're catching, the, for example, just the row I was working on last night, it was 20 stitches between color one and when color one showed back up again. So 20 stitches I had to kept catching floats behind those 20 stitches of color two. And just to, you know, sometimes it's a longer wrap root than that and then there's three colors in the color work when there's 20 or more stitches between each color so there's you know it was it's going to be gorgeous and I know I'm going to be very happy with the shawl when I'm done but you know I'm almost up to 350 stitches and then you're doing a lot of purling and it's basically intarsia because it's not in the round even though it's really long stretches of colorway you still have the intarsia edgings with purling which has never been my favorite At 350 stitches of it I've I am looking forward to this shawl being done. (laughs) I've also been working on the 50 stitch sock in Plymouth Yards in the Diversity in the Fruity Colorway, which is white with stripes of green, yellow, orange, pink, and purple. And I have started the second sock. I'm about halfway up the foot or so, it's doing it toe up. And that actually leads me to my next segment, which is Knitting Fails. Fails. So I was working on the fifty-two by 50 stitch sock, excuse me, at my son's karate class last week, and I came to a knot. So normally, you know, that's not a big issue, especially, you know, color work. It's it's self-striping color work. If it's off a little bit, that's okay. But the length of the color repeat in this colorway is insane. One color repeat is long enough to be a knee sock on me, possibly slightly less than one color repeat. So a knot missing the next two color stripes in series is an issue. So I cut the knot, and then I put the the sock on some scrap yarn, and I wound off the remainder of that color repeat, and then started the second sock the next day. So my plan is... Oh, hi, sorry, we have cats visiting us. Hi, Callie girl. My plan is I'm going to knit up to the same point, or to until I reach another knot, on sock number two, And then see exactly what colors I have left in the yarn and then from there I'll decide how I'm gonna finish the top of the knee socks I was gonna make them matchy-matchy maybe not you know exactly twins but you know within you know three to five rows of each other but uh so these might be you know half sisters instead of twins I'm losing the analogy here completely but I have no idea how they're going to turn out but I'll have a pair of knee socks at the end of it so it'll be good on to spinning I successfully finished my Tour de Fleece spin. I am really excited about that. I started with one pound of cotton and that became roughly 950 yards of a three-ply sport weight yarn. I am so glad I participated in Tour de Fleece for the first time. I wasn't sure I was going to, you know, I've got two small kids and we were on vacation for part of it and had a wedding in the middle of it and yeah, you know, spinning that much over three weeks really helped me become more consistent and I'm very happy. I'm so glad I participated. And by the end I was generating some really good yarn. So I you know, all my goals were accomplished, and now I really want to spin a sweater quantities. I can't wait to actually start working with this yarn. Or I should say the next yarn. I want to spin a sweater. And I think I know which colorway from a favorite dyer of mine. I want to use. I just want to do a little more prepping and spin a couple more of her colorways before I make my final decision, but I am very excited because I really want to spin for a sweater. Yay! Out and about. So this past weekend, my husband and I were out in western Massachusetts for a friend's wedding, and while we were out there, I started chatting on Instagram with Knitting Travels, aka Shelley. And I'd forgotten that she lives, you know, 20 minutes south of there. Not only that, it was sidewalk sale weekend in Northampton. So I was like, oh my goodness, we have to, we have to meet up. So, hello Shelly, it was lovely to meet you. Yes, I finally got to meet Shelly. We've been chatting on Instagram for a couple of years now. She's a podcast listener and I was very excited to meet her. And really excitingly, I want to share with you about the shop Northampton Wool's. And that's where Shelly suggested we meet. And that is a lovely shop. It's right on the corner of one of the main drags, right in Northampton. And it is a lovely shop. I met the owner. She was so kind. I met some of the staff there. And also, one thing that I wanted to share with you guys is they offer classes where you can learn to knit in three hours. And there was a woman there who was actually doing the class. And she came out of there having learned to knit and actually walked out with something in her hand that she'd made in three hours. What a great idea! That is so marvelous that so people can actually just pop in and learn how to make something. Also, I should share that they have a great selection of yarns, whether you like sheep yarns like most of the world or you can't use sheep like me. They had a wonderful selection of woolless yarns. They had some old favorites like Penzance and Diversity Sock, and they also had some new-to-me yarns. I came home with two skeins of Lana Grossa's 365 Yak, which is a blend of cotton, yak, and polyamide. polyamide. I always pronounce it wrong. But I really like this. This is super soft, and yak and I get along much better than sheep and I do. I was able to actually pet yaks when I was living in Asia and did not have any type of reaction. So I'm very excited about that. This is a worsted weight yarn. It's super soft, and my plan is to make myself a nice scarf or shawl. I've got about 350-ish yards of a, of a sort of a slate gray-blue, and I'm going to make something nice and warm and soft for winter, since both my boys are going to be going to school this year when my youngest is starting preschool, and they're both about a three-quarter mile, maybe a little over three-quarter mile walk, will be walking to school, so this will help keeping me warm while I'm walking the little guys to school this fall and this winter. Also, in out and about, we've got some upcoming events. In August 11th, there is a the Fiber Revival, and that is held at the Spencer Little Farm in Newbury, Massachusetts, which is up on the coast, just north of Boston, a little ways between Boston and New Hampshire. I'll be attending that. My plan is to bring my lindrum and some some uh, beautiful fiber I have, and work on some spinning, and maybe do a little bit of vendor shopping there. We'll see. Get some more fiber maybe, but I hope to see you there. I should warn you that they call this a BYOC event, bring your own chair. There will not be anywhere near enough chairs for everybody there knitting and spinning, so if you're in the area, bring your bring your wheel, bring your needles, bring your crochet hook, and bring your own chair. October 20th is Rhinebeck, or I should say the weekend of October 20th is Rhinebeck, and my current plan is to take the Webb's bus on Saturday, if you're also taking the Webis bus, please let me know. I would love to say hello. You can chat over coffee and donuts in the morning before we board the buses. And then coming up on November 13th and 4th is the Fiber Festival of New England. And that's out at the Big E, and that's in the Springfield area in Massachusetts. Not 100% sure I'm going. I've actually never been to this particular event, um, but I'm thinking about it. And I haven't been to the Big E since I was a little kid. I was probably, oh, God, eight or nine last time I went. So it would be a lot of fun to go back knitting talk. So I am bringing back this older segment that we haven't used in a while because I wanted to address something that I've heard from other knitters. I don't want to say an alarming rate, but I've heard it several times over the past six to 12 months and it just kind of stuck with me. So what I want to talk about is quote-unquote cheating at knitting. So I've heard a lot of people talk about this, maybe not a lot of people, but I've heard a couple people recently talk about how they feel using stitch markers for repeats or using a lifeline is cheating. And not that they feel that other people are cheating when they're using it, but they feel that they themselves are cheating it. Like somebody's you know got it in the back of their heads that using stitch markers or lifelines is cheating. So first off, I want to assure anybody who feels that way that there are no knitting police. They're not. They do not exist. There are a few holier-than-thou types out there who insist you do things their way, but I am hereby giving you permission to ignore them. If you don't want to use stitch markers to mark repeats, or you don't want to use lifelines, then don't. I don't want you to feel like you have to. But I want to assure you that if you do, or now if going forward you choose to, you are not cheating. In fact, you're probably saving yourself a lot of time particularly with lace or any kind of really complicated lace, knowing where one repeat ends and the next begins will help you find errors in your knitting before it becomes a big issue. For example, realizing you're off by one stitch on the row in which you made the mistake instead of a row or two or three later saves you a lot of ticking back and a lot of wasted time. So, please... If you are using any visual or safety aid while knitting, please know you are not cheating. You are proactively preventing mistakes. On the run. Well, I actually went for a run today. Boy, did it feel good. Okay, it was a run walk, but we did about two and a half miles. I pushed my son in our jogging stroller. We walked down to my son's preschool and then passed it to the post office. I ran part of it and I walked the rest. My legs are a little stiff afterwards as my running has been suffering with the heat and humidity here. We spend a lot of the summer in the New England area, particularly southern New England, where the humidity levels are about you know, 80% to 90%. So I try to avoid running outdoors when it's over 80 degrees out. That's um, 27 Celsius, I think, if I'm doing the math correctly in my head. So, you know, by the time you get over 80 and then you add in 90% humidity, it's just disgusting and it's, you know, not, not fun. So I will run indoors. We've got a, um, what's called a treadmill in the basement, or I try to go to the Y where there's an indoor track and it's air conditioned and just save my sanity because I can deal okay with the heat or the humidity. But you add heat and humidity and exercise, and I would like a flower. So I, I know what my limits are, and I try to respect them. And today was not too hot out, or at least when we went for the walk, it was not too hot out. It was nice. We did well. Had a great time, and I'm hoping to get some more, run in, more runs in this week. I have not been doing as much cross-training as I wanted. A little bit of strength training here and there, but very little cross-training. My little guy's been a little bit under the weather. He's got a cold, nothing to worry about, but just, you know, coughing and sneezing kind of thing. So we haven't been able to go out in public much, but fingers crossed that he's going to be doing better, and we can go outside and do some more fun stuff. So last segment, running talk. So this is actually a revisit of a topic we discussed, I think it was a year ago or so, and that is something about shoes. I had a friend recently ask me in person, what type of shoe they should be wearing, and I want to tell you exactly what I told them, and that is, I don't know. I am not a gait analyst. I have no training in that area. But your local running store, not athletic store, I mean actual running specialty store, will have staff trained to analyze your gait. This is really, really important, especially if you have any kind of history of injury or any kind of history of of issue with your... Hi, sorry, kitty cats are back. If you have any issue with your hips or your knees or your back, go get your gait analyzed. Go to a running store and have them look at you and your body and your feet while you run. They are your best resource. Yes, a local shoe store's prices will not be the cheapest, but you know if you're if you're tight on your budget, get a gait analysis. Buy your first pair there to thank them for their time and their expertise. And once you know you're happy with that shoe, you can order your next pair online if you need to save the money. But getting a gait analysis from someone who knows what to look for is worth the price. It really is, and it can help prevent a lot of injuries down the road. That brings us to the end of this week's episode. I just wanted to add one quick little thing here at the end. The Be a Helper Cal is still running. Entries, um, you can put your entries in the finished objects posts on Ravelry. Whips are okay, double dipping in other cows are okay, any craft is okay. I'm just running this on Ravelry because it makes it simpler and so much of our community is already on there. Remember, anything you make for any charity counts, as does Drawing Blood. So go ahead, post your finished objects, post yourself with your band-aid, or drinking orange juice in the trailer for the local Red Cross. Can't wait to see what you folks are doing. Have a great week, everyone, and keep those legs and those needles moving. Bye-bye.